Welcome to Public Safety Talk Radio, the podcast for all of our heroes of public safety, including law enforcement professionals, firefighters, EMTs, corrections officers, healthcare workers, and more. The show is produced by the POCUA and is founded upon its soundness initiative. This episode is sponsored by the finest service organization, a provider of line of duty death loan protection through many of our POCUA institutions. And now for part two of Facing Evil with Scott and Liz Brown. I'm Jim uh, Bontrager, uh, Vice President of International Conference of Police Chaplains. Uh, You had him quoted, uh, those who make this journey together share a special bond that only they can fully understand. Um, And while I never went through it vicariously, I can completely understand that. during the time of, of writing Facing Evil, was that bond strengthened, tested, or, or, or both during the process? <laughs> All of the above. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think we decided it was, it was both. Um, most of the time it was it was tested, but by the time the test was over, it was strengthened. Um, yeah. I know for us, uh, we had ups and downs. We, we argued, we fought over it. Uh, without her, it wouldn't have get, gotten written just simply because with that trauma, I had my memory sucked. Yeah. I'd gotten complete details. I'd mixed them up. I, I mean, just completely screwed the pooch on several of the details. And luckily she was, she was my rock during all of it. And once you read the book, you'll realize somebody, somebody told me the book was a love letter to Liz. And I actually thought that was awesome. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so it was tested. Um, several of my friendships strengthened more out of it. Uh, Mike Simmons, uh, Moose in the book, he was uh, Mike Davis's partner. He was basically me with Placer County. Uh, we, we, we were solidified before him and I agreed a long time ago that him and I have a friendship and we have a shared experience that I will never have with anybody else. And nobody can even come close to because we both know almost exactly how each other feel regarding a certain situation. And I can't explain it to anybody. I couldn't I, even Liz. I mean, you know, her and I, we've been together since we were 18. We, you know, she's the person that I love the most in this world. And again, we will never share an experience like that. Thank God. Um, but I could also never explain it to her in a way that she would understand again. Right. Thank God. So that, but that, that friendship was solidified even more through this book process, several of the friendships throughout the book. Um, but sadly to say there was, you know, at least one or two friendships that whether it was because of the book or because of other reasons, because of their own personal thing, I'm not sure, but we actually lost a friendship or two over this as well. And as sad as that is, I just got to believe that they were dealing with their own demons and I was just a sounding board. Um, It is too bad. uh, And I I do grieve for that loss, but um, I still believe that the good that's going to come out of this thing, um, I guess was worth the loss as, as hard as that is to say. Yeah, yeah, I am of the opinion, and many people have agreed with it. Some others, it's not too popular, but uh, it's my opinion that we're all mentally ill. It's just a matter of degree. Some of us can function, um, others not so much. But um, with that thinking, you know, when you come across somebody who has, you know, or are dealing with, as you alluded to, their own issues. Um, you know, you just pray and say, you know, I hope that you get the help that you need. Uh, but you know, for the time being, you know, I'll pray for you. I don't necessarily need to be around your unique brand of crazy. Um, (laughs) I don't think there's any way you can go through 
any of the first responder careers or military yeah. for any length of time, really, um, without coming away with some sort of, you know, I don't know about mental illness, if you want to, if, that, if that's going to make people upset, but some sort of trauma, some sort of, it, you know, to say it doesn't change you, if people say that they're lying to themselves and everybody else. Yeah. Um, and, and it, it just, it, it is what it is. Uh, but I agree that, that it does change people. Everybody has their own baggage and it just, uh, it depends on how they want to carry it. You know, do they want to, you know, carry it in something that weighs them down or they want to carry it in a backpack that helps spread the weight. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Getting, getting to a lighter, but definitely a lot more important question. Um, Liz, how much of a pain in the ass was Scott during this process? <laughs> you, know, you don't have to answer that never mind we'll go on <laughs> i mean no, it's fine it, 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 well and we kind of talk about in the book too is the crazy part is he just didn't know that he was not i mean i'm being pg nice he wasn't he wasn't a very nice guy it, um it, there were a lot of times that and i had to kind of keep reminding myself it's not about me. Yeah. It's not about me. What's going on? Um, some days we actually got to the habit where we would call him Danny days. And if he came home and he was exceptionally off the hook, um, sometimes he would recognize it and just be like, it was a Danny day. And it might've been, he drove down a street that he and Danny, you know, arrested somebody on or, and it's not always the bad stuff. Like it was a good memory. Like this is where we got that guy, or this is where we chased down that guy, or that's where he tripped and fell or whatever it was. There was some great scenarios because when your office is the streets and you can't avoid driving down the streets and driving through your office, the memories come. And so some days they were good and happy. And sometimes it was like that loss of his friend and what could have been because they were basically, they had their goals. They had a career path. They, you know, Danny was three years from retiring and basically looked at Scott and said, now that you're with me, like, this is it. Like, you're not promoting, you're not changing. It's you and me, dude, like three years. And after that, I, you can do it. You know, gave him permission. He's such a big brother. Gave him permission. <laughs> like after I, and so there was a loss of what Scott felt was supposed to be happening in the three years. So then in these three years that he could have been with Danny, that loss every once in a while would be overwhelming. But then, you know, we have three young kids. Now they're 13, 10 and eight, but you know, say three, four years ago, kids are being kids. And when daddy's a little stressed and things are at work, they don't get that. They don't yeah. understand it. And unfortunately our kids have grown up with death now they've grown up with the idea of losing an officer that that's a real thing and so when your oldest even says to you know dad when are you going to retire and we're thinking oh you're excited and scott's like well why he goes because i don't want to fear losing you anymore that's a really hard thing as parents broke to, my heart yeah to go there really isn't much we can do to change your mind like yeah, that's a real fear. It is a real fear for all of us that daddy is in a career that someday he won't come home from. But even as a marriage, there got to be a point where I wrote it down and we talk about this. Like I couldn't tell him anymore because as an officer, when I tell him what's going on, he's already solving my problem, right? He's already five steps ahead of me. This is what he does for a career. So I learned for my own sanity I had to write it all down because he had to sit in it and he had to read it and he had to understand what my concerns are and where I, what I was feeling. And honestly, he was shocked. He had no idea 
how bad it had gotten. He had no idea how sad I was and how frustrated and just, I'm like, you know, I want to support you, but I'm having a really hard time supporting us. And nicely, it almost said like, maybe we need to take a break. Thank goodness for me. I am the lucky one that all it took was that letter and him being basically hit in the face with it. It was an instant change. Not literally, no mandating reporting. No. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was. Uh, it was I wouldn't put it past Liz hitting yeah. you in the face. Well, I, but I, I, yeah. I, <laughs> I mean, she's right. I was, I was fat, dumb, and happy, literally. Um, yeah. And when she hit that with it, the, in I, that in that order, or did it like? Oh yeah. Much. Well, I, I've lost all three, so now I'm, now I'm a little bit better. But um, yeah, no, it was one of those things. If you'd asked, sat us down and asked, oh yeah, we have a great marriage. Awesome. Um, that actually did happen. We yeah. went to counseling and the therapist looked at us and said something about the marriage. And Scott's like, yeah, everything's great. And I'm all, oh, um, and yeah, she literally grunted. It was not pretty. Um, and uh, we need a third party. And he looked at me like, seriously? And I'm all, well, and so we talked to, and then it made me, it was about six months later. And after the letter and stuff, and we were going just kind of as a check-in to the, the therapist. And on the way there, he looked at me, and goes, So I I'm we're on the same page, right? Like things are good, or am I gonna be like <laughs> shocked again? I'm like, no, baby, we're going for other reasons today. Like, yeah. but like our am, marriage- I, am I gonna get kicked in the nuts again? Or yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we, I, I go back and get my cup from my baseball day. Yeah. <laughs> Communication was definitely key for us. And we had to learn that the open community, because I think in the beginning too, I was so concerned about just taking care of him that I got lost along the way. And that secondary trauma is such a real thing for spouses that sometimes they don't even realize that's what's happening. Cause we do, we almost take a back seat because our officer is hurting so badly. And there's so many things going on and they're really, it was, we really had to spend the time kind of getting his head right and his heart right. And then as we did that, we sort of lost a little bit of us along the way, but thank goodness, even in the very beginning of our incident, we don't know who told us, but somebody said to us like, hey, critical incidents can make or break a marriage. And our department alone, I think they said that we were like an 80% divorce rate. So that was always in the back of my head. And even in the beginning, we said like, we can't let this break us. And we got very, very close. But I think because we had made this decision early on that we were going to do everything we could to make sure that we survived as a married couple and our kids survived. And there's still stuff. I mean, we're still, we're still, I mean, I'm meeting my therapist on Monday. Like there's still stuff going on. We're learning with our kids vicariously. Things have happened with them because they were so young when it happened. And we were naive to think that our kids weren't so young that they weren't impacted. And now things are showing up in school and some of their behaviors and some of the things. And finally, and finally somebody had to say, you know, that could be attached to the trauma that you guys all went through a few years ago. And it was like, really? Our kids too? It's like, oh my gosh, like, okay. So we're still every day trying to work, I think together as a family, together as parents, together as a married couple and individually on how we can continue moving forward. Well, damn it, Liz, I asked you a surface level, supposedly funny question and you gave me a really, really deep, good, poignant answer. So thanks. Uh, (laughs) 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 See now. Now I'm gonna shallow. Okay? I know. I told you we're, I told you we're not perfect. We're just willing to talk about it. And so yeah. we're, 
We're just sharing. Uh, I'm obviously just giving you a hard time because it's fun for me. Uh, but yeah. see, now I'm going to circle around to a, a truly heavy, deep question, and you'll probably answer it tongue in cheek and, and give me a comedic answer. Coming this March 27th through the 29th, 2022 in Savannah, Georgia, is the first Public Safety Business Summit, a program specifically created for organizations that serve first responders. What you will experience is a high level of networking and collaboration among like-minded leaders who are in the business of serving first responders. What you won't get are a series of boring lectures with no interactivity, ridiculous golf outings that are only appealing to a few attendees, or a couple of retreaded subjects that you can hear at any credit union league event that are just thrown into the curriculum. We offer an engaging agenda where attendees even help to determine the content during the actual conference based on their unique needs. If you run a business, a credit union, or a nonprofit that specifically serves first responders, then the Public Safety Business Summit is for you. For more information, go to www.policecreditunions.com or call 331-300-9889. We hope to see you in Savannah on March 27th, 28th, and 29th of 2022. Um, I remember, uh, and I don't remember exactly where in what context I remember you saying this, Liz, but I remember you talking about the the trial um, connected with this case and in that, um, you know, the the accused will call him, you know, just you sense so much evil uh, in the room uh, that you you could feel the evil from him. Um, and a question that I ask uh, a few of my select guests, it's usually my my true crime podcasters that were in law enforcement uh, or prosecutors and so forth that have dealt with this on another level sometimes. But yeah, after this experience, you know, after writing the book, after really digging into this, and you mentioned your faith. Um, do you feel still that yeah, the world is a good place with just some evil here and there, or is it an evil world with just smatterings of good that you got to look for? Um, I, honestly, I, I think it's the latter. I think I think or the I don't know no, which one was the first one. I'm sorry. <laughs> honestly, I think there's more good out there than there is evil, and even and I mentioned this in the book as well, but. I've arrested thousands of people over my 20 year career so far. And the majority of them, I don't look down on. I don't see them as evil. I, I, I see them as somebody that made a mistake. Um, it's my job to call them on it. Hopefully they learn from it and I never see them again. We're one of the few jobs where I can look at somebody and say, I hope I never see you again. And it's actually a good thing, right? Yeah. Um, and I don't judge them. I don't, like I said, I don't think they're evil. I think they have an addiction. I think they have this, that, or the other thing. And they made a mistake. They have to be called on that mistake. I don't, believe people should get a free pass. Um, consequences are part of our world, but I don't think they're evil. I do believe that there is evil out there though too. And it's rare that, that there's just straight evil and that we come across it, but it is out there. Um, and we, we can all point to our careers, you know, and come across those people, you know, usually it involves a kid or something like that. 
Um, but in this case, I truly believe, I have no doubt in my mind that that man is, is pure evil. That was actually the original title was pure evil. Uh, and we, we changed it obviously a little bit, but everybody that ever contacted him, everybody that saw him on, even on TV, we go speak for cops, the concerns of police survivors at their traumas, law enforcement classes all over the country, um, during their line of duty death sections. And we'll mention it and afterwards on breaks, we'll have people come up to us and, I remember seeing that guy on TV. I was yelling at my TV. I wanted to throw stuff at my TV just from looking at him, not mentioned just being in a courtroom with yeah. him. And, and Liz can talk about it in a second. But like she said, when, when he walked in there, the, the I feel like the ambient temperature, just the, the feel in the room changed almost instantly. And the, the just everybody in the room just like cringed. They felt dirty, like they needed to go take a shower when they were done. Um, I mean, the hard part for me, I mean, I'm sitting up there testifying and some of the stuff he was yelling at me, uh, which was mentioned in the book. And I'm sitting there with my gun on my hip. He's only about 10 feet away. Mm -hmm. Um, but we're not those guys, right? We're not, that's right. why we're putting on one side, he's on the other. Um, but to think I didn't want to jump over that podium and go, you know, have a discussion with him <laughs> with my fist was, you know, to yeah. say the least. Um, but yeah, he was, he was an evil man. And, um, but I do believe most people are good. I, I still believe, and we we talk about the blessings that have come out of this. Would I change that day? Of course I would. Would I change the outcome? Yes, and, but I can't. And it took me a while to come to grips with that, but there's things that I can't change, I can't do. I might not even know why. When I go meet my maker, that'll be one of my questions, and it's not for me to know here, right? Uh, but there have been some amazing, amazing blessings that have come out of that. And luckily, through whether it was somebody else or our own, open eyes, um, been able to recognize it, see it and, and count those blessings, uh, including people and friends that we've met along the way that I don't, you know, I wouldn't have met otherwise. Yeah. That was one of the things when he testified, the first time he testified, we didn't have a lot of warning and we really weren't kind of sure what it would be. And, um, it was just my mom and his parents and a couple friends. And it was during the criminal phase. It was during the criminal phase. And I just remember leaving going, oh, we really are fighting evil in that courtroom. And so the next time Scott was on the stand, I called friends, families. During the penalty phase. Well, yeah. I'm just yes. trying to be okay. accurate. The penalty phase. <laughs> um, I just put it out there and I said, prayer warriors, either pray at this time or be in the courtroom and pray because what a difference it was. And Scott said he could feel the difference when he could look out there and see all of us and the love in our faces and the prayers that were coming from us. And we really did feel like we were fighting evil with good. It was such a, I, I had never experienced that before. And I pray that I never have to experience again, but others that were there, they said they felt the same thing. It was just, it was, you were in the presence of evil. Well, I think he even felt that we had more support on the second one. Cause that was probably the nastiest he was to me was on the second time. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think he somehow just knew that I, there was more support in there and he was trying to make, trying to overcome that and he failed miserably. Yeah. Uh, but I think that was part of it. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you want readers to truly take away from this book? Well, there's, there's several things um, in an idealistic, you know, I, if, if, if everything goes the way I want it to, I hope it, that it saves careers um, for that guy that's going down that bad path, whether he went through a traumatic incident or just 20 years of every day, which is a traumatic incident for the average person. Um, and he starts seeing that there's, there's no hope or there's no, you know, I, I, I'm mad. I hate the world. I, I'm not going to, you know, 
there's no options for me. Hopefully he reads this and sees that there is support out there. There's therapy, there's counseling, there's different forms of peer support that he can go, he or she can go get and, and recover and have a somewhat successful career afterward, after something like that. Right. Um, I'm hoping that it saves marriages. Uh, like she said, the divorce rate in law enforcement in general is pretty high just because of the stress and the scheduling and everything else. And then you add any type of event to it makes it worse. And we're hoping that, you know, like she said, we didn't do it hundred percent. Right. I'm not sure there is hundred percent. Right. Um, but we're still here. We still love each other. We're still married after something like this. And we're hoping our experience and some of the things that we mentioned that we did right. And some of the things that we did wrong in there resonate with somebody and, and maybe they either see it themselves or when they come to an event, they remember that and say, Hey, I remember what Scott said, or Liz said, I'm not going to do that bad stuff that they said. And I'm going to remember the good stuff and let's try to go that route. And maybe it saves a marriage. That would be awesome. And then the third thing for me was maybe it saves a life. Um, you know, a lot of people don't like to talk about it, but suicide is huge in law yeah. enforcement and it's only getting worse. And for that guy or girl that um, is thinking about the end, is thinking about, you know, uh, ending it, they, they, they read it and they realize, you know, that there's, there are other options there. You can get through it. There is light on the other side. Mm-hmm. I mentioned it in there and I'll mention it again. Prior to this incident, when somebody ever mentioned suicide or you heard a story, I heard a story, I could not wrap my head around it. I could not fathom how somebody would get to that point. And then after everything that happened, I had a supportive family, direct and indirect. I had a department that treated me well and actually did what they were supposed to do because there are ones throughout the country that don't. Unfortunately, Um, yeah. A fairly good community here in in the area that I live that supported me. I had my faith. I had my faith in the Lord. Even with all that, at my lowest, I was, it was dark. I never, never thought about it myself, but it dawned on me at one point that with all that going for me, I'm this low, I'm this dark, I'm this sad mm-hmm. for that person that doesn't have those things for, it was the first time in my life. I could see how mentally they would get to that point. And I'm hoping that this book, you know, resonates with them. Um, maybe they have that one hole in their life. Like I said, you know, spiritually, maybe they have that hole and they're trying, they don't know what, what's missing. Maybe they go that way. Um, you know, they've always thought that, you know, suck it up, buttercup, don't talk about it, suck it down, all that old school thinking that many of us were either, you know, trained on, raised on, whatever it is, uh, that doesn't hold true anymore. And, and hopefully they're a part of a department that doesn't reprimand or, you know, end their career because they went and got help. Hopefully they encourage it. And I know there's still ones out there that don't, and I'm not ignorant to that fact, Um, but hopefully they go get some help. And, and if I can, you know, if we wrote this book and, you know, 10 people buy it or a hundred people buy it. And one marriage, one life, one career is saved. Totally worth it. Totally worth it. Cause like we said, we were not, we didn't, we didn't write this to make money. Cause somebody told me even to start off with books, don't make money anyway. Um, <laughs> we wrote it to help people. And if it can, help, I can tell you that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So if we can, if we can help somebody in any of those aspects, that, that that's, that's why we did it. And that's, that's what I hope they walk away with and hope. Uh, it starts out dark. It starts out sad. It's a horrible story. I mean, I still, to this day, I'll still have a nightmare once in a while. If I read that book right here, like I said, I would cry. But we, we, I, I encourage people that do read it to keep reading because by the end, and we've been told this, that, that it does end with hope. It does end with optimism. It ends with blessings. And I hope that people, that's what they get out of it. They get the story to set the base, but by the end, they get what we really intended, which is hope for the future, hope for, you know, what they can do. And it is for everyone. So 
people are assuming that it's only for first responders. I mean, yes, our ultimate goal would be to have this book in every first responder's hands, but they're not the only ones that can benefit from the book, not just the first responder, but a family member. I think somebody that loves somebody in law enforcement. Um, I was just speaking to somebody the other day and it was like, he had never really been through a critical incident, but he goes, I'm, my eyes are open to what happens on the after fact and how I can look out for the people in my life that are first responders. Cause there were things even with Scott that showed up right three, four years down the road, six, seven, six, seven <laughs> and, and the people in his life didn't understand that it was correlated to that, but it wasn't just correlated to October 24th. It was also to the trial and all the things along the way. So for us, it was, I, he said it was eye-opening because he's like, I hope that this helps me be a better leader for my troops. But not only it's community members, it really is anybody that loves officers or that wants to get an insight to what it is to be an officer. It, this book really is a tool for everyone. And so we don't want to hold back to think that it's only a resource for first responders. Everyone would get something from this book. And like I said earlier, honestly, I hope somebody that hates cops buys yeah. it. You know, I'm going to buy this so that I can have, you know, and, and I hope they, I hope they read it. And, you know, if, if a hundred, you know, cop bashing people buy it to, to get ammo against us. Um, but one of them, it changes their mind. I'm cool yeah. with that. I'm okay with it. You know, uh, I, I think a lot of what's happening today is out of ignorance, in my opinion. Um, and, and if they knew what's going on, if they knew about our families, when we go home and what our true motives are and some other stuff, I honestly believe there would be a little more peace in that regard. So maybe this book does that as well. You never know. Yeah, we 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 can hope. I think that uh, it probably goes a long way um, if people actually open it and read it. Uh, in uh, <laughs> in what uh, a number of uh, people have said is is humanizing. Um, the badge and realizing that that these folks, uh, including yourself, obviously uh, want to do the job at a high level and then just simply go home to your families, um, which I think most people uh, want out there. But uh, great conversation. Thank you for going as deep as you did with me and actually just simply having another enjoyable conversation, guys. Yeah, thank you for having us. This has been it's been awesome. We appreciate it. Thank it, you. Yeah, it was my pleasure. And before we we wrap up, uh, I know that people can find the book on Amazon, Facing Evil by Scott Brown and Victoria Newman. Um, any any place else they might want to find it or find you out in the net? Do you have like 15 different websites or anything like that? <laughs> Just one. It's pretty simple. Scottandlizbrown.com. And it's a great way to um, reach us. If we're speaking, maybe we're coming to your area, or if you just want to touch base and send us an email, it comes directly to us. Nobody, there's, there's nobody but us. <laughs> and I think we have the same thing on Facebook. Yeah, and you can Instagram, find us on right? Facebook and Instagram as well. Scott and Liz Brown, pretty simple. But yeah, it's facing, facing evil. And then you can always check out the, you know, the How to Love Our Cops as well website. And also uh, the Danny Oliver Foundation website as well. Um, the book will be first. The book is for sale on the Danny Oliver site. Well, perfect. Yeah, and and I can attest to Liz and Scott actually do answer emails on a at at a pretty quick uh, uh basis because that's how we got them on this show. Thank you again, and thank you to all of you who have either watched or listened to this episode of Public Safety Talk Radio. And we'll be back with you next week with another great guest.
Public Safety Talk Radio is produced by the POCUA. POCUA is a consortium of financial institutions serving law enforcement as well as other first responders and public safety professionals. To learn more about our association and to find one of our credit unions or service providers near you, go to www.policecreditunions.com. And always remember, if you aren't working with one of our POCUA credit unions, you're just banking with an institution that just so happens to serve first responders. As a public safety professional, you and your family deserve better. Find a POCUA credit union today.